And I think the enemy has convinced us that the, the silence is is the bad thing, right? Like, oh, you need the noise because being alone, being being alone with your thoughts is mm. is the scary thing itself. Yeah. Running through the yard, family, going on vacation. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Pastor Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean. And after taking a week off, we are back um, on our series, Well-Worn Pass, which we've said are spiritual practices that help us access God's power more faithfully and fruitfully know and follow Jesus. And we've got a couple housekeeping items before we begin. We are, uh, one thing is where we've done some thinking through this season and we are, we've decided to add a couple topics. Sean, do you want to cue our listeners in on that? Yeah, just a couple of episodes that we're going to tack on to the end of the season about Sabbath and about sacraments, just as different means of grace and um, I think we've discovered, especially with Sabbath, how important something like that can be, even as we consider sort of the Venn diagram of all of the means of grace and how they interact with one another. So we're going to add those on to the end. Great. Yep. And then um, we've also done a little bit of adjusting. You might have saw it in the Friday email and in the blog that came out this week. But um, we're doing a little something different with the blog and how it relates to the podcast. Dan, do you mind sharing about that? Sure. We wanted to, again, try to reinforce some of what we've been talking about in our discussions on Redeemer Radio and thought we would be able to do that through the use of the blog. And then there's been some feedback that there's a lot coming out, a lot going on in the life of the church. And so if we maybe cut back to once or twice a month on the blog related to it, uh, that would help their flow and their absorption of things we're talking about. So hopefully that'll be helpful. We'd love your feedback. Let us know. We really want to hear how we can best encourage you and help you grow in Christ. So that's behind the changes we're making. Great. All right. So we are looking this week at silence and solitude. We've looked at a number of things now, prayer, fasting, Bible meditation, Bible memorization. We're talking today about silence and solitude. Just to kind of give you a little roadmap of where we're going today, we're going to kind of start by talking about what do we mean by silence and solitude and why are those and why is that an important topic in this discussion? You know, what significance does the Bible place on silence and solitude? What are some of the benefits of it and what are some of the best practices of silence and solitude? So I think it's best to just start with what do we mean by silence and solitude and why is it important? And I, I can begin there. Um, you know, when you think of silence, I think of both external and internal silence. Uh, so external, of course, is pretty straightforward. It's this idea, no, you know, as, as little distraction as possible, no TV, no headphones, no phone notifications, um, probably no other person. Um, it's just kind of trying to rid yourself of the, of the many distractions in our life. And I, it was interesting. I, I was reading something about this, and, and there, someone brought a quote f- um, from way back from C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. And, uh, you know, we often talk about distraction and noise, and, and it's just interesting that this is even something C.S. Lewis was talking about, you know, 60, 70 years ago. <coughs> um, in Screwtape Letters, he's talking about the demons. And, and how the demons rail against silence as a danger to their cause. And their cause, of course, is ruining Christian souls. Um, and in that book, he says, the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise. And he claims that we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. And so, guys, I'm just curious, you know, 
if if in C.S. Lewis's mind that noise is such a tool of the enemy against Christians, what what is it about noise do you think that makes it, um, you know, can make it uh, such a uh, a negative thing in the Christian life? That phrase just captured my attention: "kingdom of noise." And mm. just thinking, if it was loud then, how much louder is it now? Right. With so many more voices and so many yeah. things that information and voices are accessible all the time, everywhere, no matter what you're doing. And then trying to think, wow, if that was a temptation then, how much more so is it now? And the struggle to want to live in quietness. I I think I saw it before in many ways of just, we often, I think one of the reasons we don't, we want noise is so we don't have to think. We don't have to be with ourselves. Because many of us are not happy with ourselves or our circumstances. And that quietness becomes uncomfortable because it's in those moments we can actually hear the Lord begin to speak to us. Hmm. And words from our Bible study or from a sermon, then they, you know, God's spirit begins to take his word and work on us. And, you know, it's, it's almost like driving down the road. You don't want silence. You want something going, some music, some podcast if you're with somebody that there might be a difficult conversation because you kind of want to avoid that conversation. I've gotten really good at plugging in my iPhone while I'm driving. I'm I'll admit, you know, Oh, I didn't, I pulled out of the parking lot. I'm headed home from work. I'm excited to see my family, but let me, let me get this podcast in and listen to five minutes before I get home because I can't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We need more information is what we're telling ourselves and need more noise or just music to to unwind or, or whatever it might be. I think the enemy has convinced us that the the silence is is the bad thing, right? Like, oh, you need the noise because being alone, being being alone with your thoughts is mm. is the scary thing itself. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of builds on what Dan just said. But yeah, I think I think those are uh, really uh, really good points. Yeah. Uh, one guy I was reading he said many of us need to realize the addiction that we have to noise, and that was oh, written wow. in eighty four, nineteen eighty four. Um, Were you even born then? No, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Dang it, that's not what I expected the answer to be. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Wow. So, um, right. yeah, there's two <laughs> authors now um, writing even before the iPhone, um, and already seeing the the danger of just how noise, how much noise there is um, in the world. And I think, um, yeah, like you guys have been saying, I think one reason, at least, we can receive and embrace the noise so much as it's a way to um kind of drown out the internal noise which is the other aspect of silence so there's external silence when we're talking about silence and solitude external kind of having spaces where you're kind of getting rid of distraction or just the typical noises but also internal we have mental chatter that won't uh shut up in our minds um you know we're replaying shameful moments we're having arguments with others in our heads we have lustful thoughts we have fantasies of revenge or worry, um, all kinds of ways that our mind just races and runs. Um, and, um, you know, obviously the external noise is much more controllable. We can shut something off, but the internal is a whole different animal. Um, but, but even getting into silence, part of it could be, you know, um, turning down the external to be able to turn down the internal. And, um, yeah, I think, Sissy Goff talks about those repetitive thoughts, the one loop roller coaster, yeah, and having to learn to d- to train your mind to get out of it. Mm. Um, I I saw in some of the reading you gave us where Saint Augustine said, "Entering 
in entering silence is entering into joy. Hmm. I'm not sure we all believe that, right? And so even as we're, we'll talk more about the benefits later, but I think as we wrestle with that, do we really believe that there can be joy from silence Hmm. and, and solitude, which is different than isolation, which I think you're just going to talk about here in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, solitude is just this simple idea of being alone um, it's kind of one person said temporarily withdrawing to privacy for spiritual purposes. So it is different than isolation. Isolation is getting away from avoiding something. Um, in solitude, it's, it's getting alone, going towards something, uh, which, you know, we'll be talking about is, is introspection, spiritual introspection, but mainly to be with God in a, in a deeper way. One guy has said, isolation is going somewhere to get away from me. Solitude is going somewhere to get with me, and that's that introspection sort of idea. Um, And so these two kind of go together. I think silence kind of assumes solitude, but it's sort of a way to make it more explicit. Um, You know, solitude enables silence. Um, You can't truly have silence without getting alone. And um, in some ways, we've talked about fasting. This is a fast of sorts. It's fasting from noise and distraction. And and so, as another author points out, this is not a direct means of grace um, in itself, but it's more creates a, a really helpful context to engage in the means of grace. Um, he said it kind of like greases the skids. It really helps us um, engage more. So, any other thoughts on, on just the importance of silence and solitude for us, especially in this day and age? I like the distinction you made between isolation and solitude because we've all been more isolated in some measure. Yeah. And yeah. so it would be easy to believe, oh, I've already been doing this. And yet in some ways, I think the way we've been isolated, we have less ability because we don't, our family, our kids haven't gone to school or our spouse hasn't gone to work like normal. And so we feel isolated, but we haven't really been alone with ourselves. And I mm. think that's causing some spiritual uh, emotional struggles that people are facing now as well. So that, that was a really interesting nuance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, maybe some people see the title silence and solitude and are thinking right now, I don't, I'm done with silence and solitude. I want, <laughs> I want more interaction with people, but, uh, I think there are, yeah, that's a good, good point you make. All right. So, um, this is something, this is not just a topic we're pulling out of a hat. This is, this is something we really see uh, the Bible um, speaks to and, and, and deals with. So what significance does the Bible place on silence and solitude? Dan, how about we start with you? Sure. I think we, if we look at the life of Jesus, there are several times where he intentionally went away, it says, to the wilderness which necess- or the desert really just a place of privacy where he could be alone. And he did it for big decisions. He did it to spend time alone in prayer. One that struck me, obviously, with my dad passing right after John the Baptist was beheaded, it said he went away by himself. And maybe it's a stretch a little bit, but I'm thinking probably to grieve. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a family member. And and then he did it before big decisions and times of distress. So there's different seasons that we see Jesus practicing these things. And it's, I think it begins to help us say, so if Jesus had to do it, then do we need to do it? Mm -hmm. And I think that that really speaks to the humanity of Jesus as we see his life as an example for our own um, and think 
why did he need to do these things? I think we can maybe sometimes separate the humanity of Jesus and just consider him as, well, he's God, he's perfect. He doesn't need to do any of these things. But as a, think about as a man, I mean, you just painted the, the emotional picture of, of grieving after, after John's been beheaded and um, before he makes big decisions about the disciples and just considering that he was a real person um, that, that chose and needed to do these things, not because he was lacking in anything, because it was a rhythm, a healthy rhythm for his own life as he uh, sought to usher in the kingdom of God, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, not only is he a real human, he was the perfect human. Mm-hmm. And if the perfect human needed to have time away to commune with his father, how much more so do we yeah. imperfect humans need to make space to practice these means of grace we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. And as a rhythm, it seems like he was pretty, he was pretty in tune to when he needed to do it. Um, and, and so I think that's, uh, that'll, that'll speak into maybe some of our application points, but just as, as you continue to work out certain muscles, it gets easier and easier and you can add more weight. Um, yeah. And so with any of these means of grace, really, but especially this one, as we continue to sort of do these things to enhance the other means of grace that, it will get easier and easier. And it seems like Jesus was pretty in tune to when he needed to do this. Yeah. I love Luke 15, Uh, Luke five, verse 15 is probably the, one of the most helpful verses on this. This is just after Jesus had cleansed uh, a leper. And then it just kind of tacks onto the end of that, that passage. But now even more, the report went about him, went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Um, and actually uh, it's 15 and 16 I'm talking about. So crowds are, you know, becoming a more regular thing for Jesus, but look what he does in verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places. That's a, that's getting, you know, to solitude and silence, desolate places and pray. So that's talking about a habit that he had there. Um, I think if you look at Luke, especially kind of a pattern emerges the more popular Jesus got, the the more he would withdraw to a quiet place to pray. And, um, you know, there's so many examples from the Gospels. But I know this was something that Paul had earlier in his um, time as a believer. He, he kind of went away for a while before he started his ministry. And um, there's even a story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 mm-hmm. um, of, a, of a, a, you know, 40-day trek he had down to Mount Sinai and some of some of that and so yeah um a lot there from from kind of a biblical perspective so kind of dovetailing on that what are some of the primary benefits of silence and solitude well i'm going to steal one of your points from your outline here but it's (laughs) it's one of the things i i really enjoyed the most about studying this trying to wrestle with this and see it in my own life but um to avoid getting sucked into the tyranny of the urgent um, not the important. Um, so yeah, I'm stealing your point there, Ross. I'm so sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, stealing your thunder, but I think that, um, this election cycle, all of the things that are plastering us in the news, we see the urgency of, of the noise around us, the kingdom of noise around us. And we so quickly and easily forget the kingdom of God. I think, um, I'd love for you to elaborate more on it, but I just, I, I that, that one stuck with me even a couple of days ago, like as I was thinking about it, like, oh, I, I need to know the breaking news. I have the filters tur- or the notifications turned on to send me only the most important things. And it's like, do I really need that on my phone all the time? Um, but yeah, I'd love for you to expand a yeah, little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, that was not my quote. So that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, but um, 
yeah, that the, the author who I got that from, he was commenting on Mark one thirty five, and and so, you know, Jesus had, um, in early on in Mark, it's Jesus kind of just it's the start of his ministry, and he's had this really busy day of all kinds of different ministry, and then Mark one thirty five, um, you know, it says that early in the morning Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. Um, he had just spent 40 days in the wilderness, probably not too long earlier before his ministry. And then he still, um, you know, just a couple days in, he goes back to the quiet place. This was a, a important place for him. But then, you know, he, he's gone and, and some of his disciples come and look for him. And when they find him, they say, everyone's looking for you. Um, and I love that. And, and, and kind of the author, he says his paraphrase is, you know, Jesus, you're, you're a big shot now. Everyone wants to talk to you. You're going viral. You're trending on Twitter. We need you. <laughs> and, um, and Jesus, what does he do? He says, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And, uh, so that's, that's Jesus way of just saying, no, um, I'm not going to, you know, the, the urgent, you know, people wanting me, the, my popularity, that's not what it's about. It's about why I've come. And, and so the author just kind of gleans an observation out of that and how, you know, Jesus's time um, kind of having been in, in silence and solitude and, and in deep prayer with his father, um, he came out of the wilderness with all sorts of clarity about his identity and his calling. He was grounded. Um, and, and so that's part of, I think, why you see it such a part of his rhythm to his ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think another, as we think, thinking about benefits of silence and solitude, I think just self-awareness, um, I, I have the image of, you know, this, this jar, glass jar full of river, dirty river water all shooken up. But when you kind of let it stop, the, the sediments kind of finally fall and settle. And I think silence and solitude can kind of be like that for our own internal world. Um, it's, it's slowing down to get in touch with our inner world that can ravage us as just as we were talking about earlier. Um, and that's an important part of the Christian life. Um, self-awareness is, is part of what it takes to be able to confess the sins that we're called to confess and to work on. Uh, we need to know what we're struggling with to know how to move forward. And, um, I think just restoration as well is another benefit. Uh, I love um, Mark six thirty one. After spending you know a long day full of ministry with his disciples, Jesus prescribes for his disciples. He says, "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest." Mm. And I think about the role of the mind in the Christian life. Um, we're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And in Romans twelve one. You will be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And um, I think silence and solitude is a very practical way to, to deeply engage our minds in our Christian faith. Um, and I think that's part of what C.S. Lewis was getting at on why noise is such a tool of the devil to kind of disengage our minds thoughtfully. Um, and I think silence and solitude can help really re-engage them in a helpful way. Any other thoughts, you guys? Yeah, there's one quote that we read where this author says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. That's a really strong statement. And he goes on to write, we do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to him. So almost one of the immediate benefits is, well, are you even communing with God? Are you 
really spending time with him uh, in prayer, in memorization, in meditation, if you're not making it. So again, this isn't a means of grace, but are you making space for it? And again, I think all of us feel that challenge. And yet I think all of us, if we looked at how many pickups we have on our phone and how many hours was spent on our phone, as Sean smirks at me, um, this has been the drum he's he's just reminded us of lately is how much I think we're being controlled rather than controlling our phones, you know. And so for me, a couple of practical things recently have been, you know, there's no more email on my phone. There's no social media on my phone. uh, My phone never gets near my nightstand. You know, things that I'm trying to, again, push it away to have some silence and solitude, just quietness, not even to have to be with the Lord, but just from life in general so I can enjoy other things um, in my other roles as a human being. Yeah. And I think just to build on that, the phone, the thing with the phone is I think we're, we're getting really bad at being curious about other people, about people in our family, about uh, why God has us doing certain things at certain times, why he's allowing certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. So as we lose curiosity, it, it naturally distances us from him. Um, I think we times of silence and solitude can help us really ask him, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me in your kingdom? You've placed me here apart from my ability to do anything. You've got me here, you know, in this family, in this church, uh, in this job. What would you have me do? And I think the phone is just as much of an enemy. I mean, the, the phone, if we think about C.S. Lewis's description of the kingdom of noise, the phone is the is the current ruler and reigner over the kingdom of noise, I, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would argue. Yeah. Well, it, it draws us and is meant to draw us to a way to distraction. Mm-hmm. And it has incredible use of tools. Like, I'm not telling everybody to get f- email off your phone. I just needed to because I needed some space. And, and yet, you're right. I think we're so prone to distraction. One of the authors like, yeah, kids born after 1995 don't know what boredom is. Well, we know they still say they're bored. Right. But when you, you had so much more quiet, and I think there's some studies that are shown that the brain actually needs kind of quiet and to be quieted to be really creative. And so hmm. I think there's ways that we're even stunting creativity. Like it's yeah. more than just making time, and this is probably where we'll get more into the rest, more than intentionally making time to be with ourselves and to be with the Lord. Uh, just some more space in our lives, I think, would really be fruitful to us, uh, yeah. in the, especially in this season of life. Yeah, absolutely. So that that you know transitions really well into our last question of what what are some of the best practices for silence and solitude, and maybe we can think of it in two different categories. Maybe some daily, more daily, regular um, practices. Um, cause often we just jump straight to, um, you know, that, the, the retreat aspect. And I think that there's also a, a place for kind of extended times of silence and solitude where, uh, some sort of spiritual retreat would be helpful, but maybe just start with, you know, some daily things. And you guys have obviously spoken to the phone and I think that's, that's a great place to start. Maybe, um, uh, analyzing your relationship with technology, and how that um, can can inhibit silence and solitude in your daily rhythms. And, you know, I've been really helped by an article or two that, that really break down how to um, reorganize how your smartphone is put together um, 
so that it doesn't have that as much control over you like that language you had sean and it's kind of like happening to your phone don't let your phone happen to you and and you know all these apps and all these things are designed and, and they make mo they make their money by keeping your attention and and um that social dilemma um documentary that that you went through sean with the youth parents i mean it really draws that out really well and um there are really practical ways to reset up some of your technology so that it, it, it can't grab your attention as much as it does. Um, and I think you guys have hit on that. I, um, but yeah, I think uh, you guys have kind of talked about the car is, is a great place. I don't know how many of you are commuting anymore, <laughs> but it's maybe just trying to find one of your commutes in a day. And, and of course, if you're or some of the young children, that's a different story, but just trying to trying to maybe once a day or once a couple times a week having one of your commutes just just shutting off the radio or a podcast or whatever you're listening to um and and um kind of communing with the lord in that silence or, or processing your day um i think even for families you know especially with young children i know my family has very benefited a lot from me and my wife giving each other weekly time where, where I take the kids and, and the intention there is for her to be able to have time and space to um, kind of have a break from the kids and, and um, time to, to be with the Lord and, or, or anything else. Um, and we weekly give ourselves a couple hours each week to do that. And that's been very, very encouraging and helpful. Any other things you'd add? Yeah, kind of start small again. If this is new to you and you're still struggling even to read your Bible or to pray or meditate, mm -hmm. uh, begin with, hey, have your cup of coffee and don't read an article. Pull out your phone first. Read your Bible. Yep. Do 10 minutes. Yep. Or if you take walks regularly and listen to something, maybe for a couple times a week, don't listen to anything. Just be quiet. And in that moment, either meditate on something or just see where your mind takes you. So I think trying to use where you already are yeah. instead of like, oh, one more thing, but to, to try to find spaces where you can do it one night. Don't watch one of your TV shows or or whatever you're streaming at the time and just be quiet. Yeah. Um, there's So again, we can sometimes set our standards so high we do nothing. Right. Um, let's start small, keep stepping into it, and make rhythms for ourselves. It's like the difference between a zero entry to a pool and jumping off of the diving board to go in the first time, right? Like think about that zero entry. And so I want to talk about just this very, this kind of funny thing that I've been doing ever since we heard Sissy Goff talk at the, at, at YLT youth leader training. She's a counselor in Nashville who has come out with some really helpful books. Uh, but one of the exercises she shared is this uh, kind of square breathing technique. Um, mm -hmm. And so just bear with me. Uh, I know this is a podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing. But if you place your hand on your just kind of like above your knee on your thigh and you just close your eyes and you breathe in as you make one line of the square and then breathe out as you make the next line of the square and then breathe in on the on the, the third one and then you close out by breathing out. It it sh I can't I'm not going to remember all the science behind it, but she says that it literally does something mm -hmm. to your brain on brain scans. It refocuses you. It helps you. Uh, maybe you remember, Dan, what what it helps with. Yeah. Ultimately, it, it quiets your brain and gets your everything to settle down. Yeah. You, you can off particularly use that in panic attacks. But she also talked about how Navy SEALs use that before they actually go on a mission to get themselves prepared and so I think it's a great tool, not merely for panic attacks, but just to be quiet and to listen. 
Well, it's even funny because I feel almost not. I don't feel like I'm having a panic atta- panic attack before I go into a quiet time necessarily. <laughs> I'm, but but I I would imagine my brain, our brains are never that far away, especially right now, and and what they know about how digital technology is impacting our ability to focus and be creative, like you said. Um, and so anyway, I, I've been using that every once in a while just for, you know, since we heard her talk about that technique and it just, it really, it quiets me down and, and I'm able to focus. I get far more done when I remember to do something like that, or I feel far more enriched by the time that I've spent with the Lord, or um, even as I start my work day and try and think what's important, what, what matters, God, what would you have me do today? To ask questions like that even a small tech breathing technique that just really settles you down it's like the zero entry to a pool where it's just this nice transition well i think you hit something we haven't really talked about is this is going to be easier for particularly people who are introverts to be able to move into this mm-hmm. way more easy and it's going to be more natural still schedule makes it hard and it so i'm not saying it's not there aren't as challenges but for extroverts to go and be by yourself because you usually experience and get enlivened by other people. This is going to be a harder discipline. And that to know that about yourself, I think is really, really important. And then there's other things that are going to be harder for people who are kind of bent on being rejuvenated uh, from being alone. So I think knowing yourself well and what comes easy and what comes hard and knowing in this system where a lot of the patterns we've set for our lives have kind of been disrupted we need additional skills. So again, just knowing, hey, this may be hard for some of you, especially you extroverts, you're like, that'll nah, never work. Well, it can, and it'll be harder, and it's really important to try to make those spaces for yourself. No, that's a great point, Dan. I, I think that um, uh, this, that there's there, we didn't really get a chance to talk about some of like the caveats or warnings of talking about this, but I think you bring up a good one of just um, you know, this is meant to, um, silence and solitude is not an end in itself. It, it's obviously to help us connect with, with the Lord and ourselves, but it's to be a supplement to, to life with the church and fellowship. I mean, there's, there's a place for, for being alone, but there's, it's supposed to empower and go alongside of fellowship, um, as well. And, and different people will more easily embrace different, um, of these paths that we're talking about. And I think Dan, you mentioned that in our first episode, but yeah. And, and even as you guys were talking about some of those practices, it, it, it really brought Psalm 46 to my mind of be still and know mm-hmm. that I am the mm-hmm. Lord. It makes me, um, just want to dive more into that, that passage and that verse and really unpack it a little more and, and really try to understand like, what is, what is really being said there? What does be still really mean there? And there's got to be at least some element to what you guys are saying and how and, and what we're saying with this whole thing is that that could be even another biblical support for this idea of silence and solitude. Yeah. And and I know it's not appropriate to say, but I'm going to say it. It's that passage of better translation is actually shut up and know that yeah. I'm God. Like it's trying to quiet us, yeah. not just like, hey, let's just have a smooth, quiet moment. It's really like the world's crazy and loud. Be quiet and remind yourself that I'm God. Mm. And so I think we need that yeah. command 
It's beautiful. That's a great application. I'd forgotten that. Well, and, and think, yeah, think about how our day starts. If we, if our day starts poorly, if we get up and everyone's cranky in the morning, the rest of our day tends to follow the suit, right? And so if we can't even be still and know that he's got it and be comfortable in our stillness, how the heck are we supposed to go out, go throughout the rest of our day in our rhythms and, and really honor him well, right? Yeah. And so if we, as we think about it as a rhythm and not an end in itself, not the ideal state, right? Um, is was one of the warnings, but as we think about it as a rhythm, it can really it can really help us and um, and really impact the rest of our day. Yeah, and you made the caveat about driving and kids. Like, hey, young moms, right now, right? Hey, there's a whole other conversation. Like, how do you steal seconds right. to be able to be exactly. by yourself mm-hmm. in That's sleepless so nights? Like, let's not let's yeah. again where what season of life you're in. Know where can I go with this? Right. right. And so maybe for you, a realistic goal is one or tw- once or twice a week to get a little bit of time by yourself to be with the Lord and to just breathe and not be needed. Other people, maybe you need to go from two days to three days to seven days and, and grow in it and yeah. then or have time. But again, we don't want to be guilting people here. And so have conversations. If you're finding this hard, reach out to us. We'd love to conver- you know, have a conversation and see and brainstorm with you what can work for you mm-hmm. and, and to know where you are and who you are and yeah. how God's made you. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing I was thinking of when you guys were talking about the phone is, you know, Andy Crouch in his book talks about having your phone wake up after you and go to bed before you. And that's just another practical. I mean, they've done research on how many people their first thing they go to in the morning is their phone and and it's it's mind-boggling and i i can speak from firsthand that that's i can go in and out of that rhythm and and it's just to your point sean about how to start your day and and everything um i think that's something for us to to consider in all this (coughs) um the other idea we were just kind of more talking about daily rhythms there's also the idea of just a special retreat and there's a lot of great material out there i have i have a whole d- three-page document on how to do a prayer retreat um, one of the books we read kind of breaks down some points of, of ways to um, engage in, in a personal spiritual retreat um, including just different ways to pray through your life and your family or and to think about kind of direction of your life and um even just having some intentional time, just really listening to the silence, letting your soul begin to thaw mm. and then beginning to kind of write either with a computer or, you know, journal, um, you know, kind of getting the voices in your head down on paper and then kind of letting those interact with God's word and in prayer. And there's a lot of good stuff out there. I may link to under the, on the show notes, um, one or two things that that could be helpful for that. But anything else you guys would want to add about like a spiritual retreat? I mean, I found those really helpful a couple times a year. I get away sometimes by myself, oftentimes with a couple other pastor friends, but we kind of do our own thing during the day and yep. then process at night. Yep. So there's a way, you know, cause I love to be around people and so that allows me to be around people and not kind of get, you know, just being able to then know uh, I'm going to have time to talk to people, but here I can be quiet. I can think. I can be with the Lord, go for long walks in the mountains or on the beach or somewhere. So those have been super helpful in my life and hopefully for the church. Yeah, that reminds me of just the connection of this. You think about the rhythms in a in a marriage that you need with a spouse, daily connections, weekly, monthly, whatever, and, and some more extended, some more shorter. But yeah, there's a place for extended. If there's if, if you and your spouse probably need 
with somewhat regularity extended time just alone together that how much more um do we need that with the lord absolutely yeah um well uh there's so much more we could say um it's been it's been really helpful to engage in this topic and um we will continue our series next week uh talking about sabbath which will dovetail really nice with this topic of silence and solitude and hopefully we'll see you next time, friends and family, on Redeemer Radio. Grace and peace to you all. Take off shoes and